0: Malolele, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suisuitki. Coming up, Indonesia's government responds to claims of bribery. Kelvin Anthony speaks about their incident. Also,
1: We've had quite a lot happen, even just in the last 24 hours.
0: Vanuatu's new Prime Minister announces his cabinet. And later,
2: It's trying to show the region that we are a partner of choice.
0: An academic criticises Australia's new international development policy. An Indonesian government official attempted to bribe and intimidate one of our very own reporters at the recent 22nd Melanesian Spearhead Group leaders' meeting in Port Vila. The Indonesian government responded on Monday, saying it will surely look into the claims. RNZ Pacific journalist Calvin Anthony was in Port Vila to cover the MSG Leaders Summit two weeks ago when he was offered a gift after an exclusive interview with Indonesia's ambassador to Australia, Dr Siswo Pramono. Calvin joins me on Pacific Waves. Bola Calvin, what happened while you were in Port Vila?
3: Yeah, thanks, Anna. Uh, so I was in Port Vila for the Melanesian Spearhead Group Leaders Meeting. It's uh, one of uh, the most important meetings for the Melanesian subregion where leaders from the melanesian countries uh, get together and discuss about issues that are priority for them and how they can work to kind of further advance uh, you know uh, issues and and that uh, development agendas in in melanesia among the various issues that were on the table this year was the issue of uh, the United Liberation Movement for West Papua gaining full membership at the, with the MSG, and uh, there was a big presence from Indonesia. Uh, of course, uh, one of the large who had one of the largest delegations. I was at the at the meeting to you know ensure we uh, RNZ makes uh, uh, well of of the event by you know ensuring that we provide good, fair, proper, and balanced coverage, and uh, to do that, we, 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 as as journalists, we have to ensure that we cover all sides of the story. We Give every stakeholder that's involved, every party in a story, uh, the right to you know share voice their concerns. On Wednesday, I spoke to Indonesia's ambassador to Australia, Dr. Suso Ramono, and uh, we focused on a range of issues, you know, uh, from the West Papua issue, the MSG uh, meeting itself and Indonesia's intentions in the Pacific. So we spoke on a range of issues uh, for over 40 minutes and I thought I had a very good interview and I had already started uh, writing the story in my head uh, by the time I finished the interview.
0: You finished the interview and you walked out. What happened after that?
3: Yeah, and so I think this is... Uh, what was interesting, because, uh, like I said, you know, the interview I felt uh, went really well because uh, the ambassador uh, was uh, quite frank and open, and he, you know, he didn't resist uh, answering any of my questions, uh, and I felt like. Okay, I have, I have something really strong to work with, and I've got this exclusive interview, and it's going to be really good because I'm able to be, uh, you know, tell uh, tell a story to the Pacific audience uh, about, uh, you know, uh, of this interview because the Indonesian officials hardly or or it's rare for them to speak to to uh, any media at, at these uh, M S C meetings, and so as we're working out uh, me. Uh, plus uh, another colleague, a local journalist who who was helping me. We were working with and escorted by three other uh, Indonesian delegates. And uh, as we exited the reception, one of the delegates from Indonesia, who was the, the person I was communicating with throughout, days of the of the conference and who helped me actually who was the one who kind of set this up this interview up he continued to walk with me and the other local fixer that i was with to to the car park and he, you know he continued asking me uh whether i had a car and how i was going to how i was going to get back to the to town from the holiday and resort and uh, and i told him that look i've got my colleague here from uh Local media, and he's he's got a car. He's gonna drop me back. So as 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 we were about to really approach the car, just five meters away, and and you know, we kind of slow. Uh, he kind of slowed down, and and he said, Kelvin, I'd like to, you know, the Indonesian delegation would like to offer you a token of appreciation. Um, and then you know, uh, I still didn't know what was happening, and I asked him. So yeah, what what is it? Uh, and he said a small gift, and I, I, I went again. I said, look, yeah, but what what is it? And he said, "We've got some money for, uh, for you." And then, you know, at that moment, because it had never happened to me, uh, straight away I said, "Look, I cannot take the money because it's going to compromise the story I'm doing and my integrity as a journalist." And uh, the the Indonesian official, you know, he he kind of I could see in his face that he was withdrawn. Uh, and he apologised. He started to say that, you know, he's not going to idea. his story and for offering you money. And when the guy said, you know, I've got to offer you money, I just, I just wanted to get away from that, from that space as, as soon as I could, you know.
0: Why did RNZ Pacific decide to publish the story? And what took so long?
3: Yeah, uh, that's a good question, uh Susanna, because... Uh, You know, the the whole intention was to report on that interview that we did. But the fact that, you know, you you have a foreign government official offering you a bribe or money or a gift, whatever you call it, I had to escalate it to my superiors. And then they, you know, based on the situation on the ground and all the advice we received and, and, you know, all all the advice back in the office, uh, you know, we decided that we were going to hold the story because it wasn't safe for me to report on it. But also, you know, it's never been reported. And for, for me, like as a journalist, for me, the only thing that I have is my credibility and my integrity. And I felt that you no, know, it needs to be reported in the, in in the sense that you know we need to be open about media transparency issues. We need to be open about uh, these issues because if we do not highlight, highlight it, you know, it's if 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 we as a media organization do not highlight it, then no one else will. And it's our responsibility as a media media organization. That we're able to highlight these issues that are in the public interest, you know. So we are able to hold people, and those who are in power, uh, to account. And I think, uh, you know, given all those things and all the different elements at play, the political issues that were at the MSG meeting, etc., you know, I think we've made the the right decision. RNZ has made the right decision as a news organization, you know, to to highlight this because it's it's been Certainly, I've have, I've have not known at least in my lifetime as a journalist, I cannot recall any case uh, with a leading media organization like the RNZ, uh, you know, reporting an incident like this to highlight that you know these things are at play, and you know, as 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 journalists, as as media organization, we have to be able to hold people to account.
0: Vanuatu's new prime minister Satu Kilman has announced his 12-member cabinet. Mr. Kilman ousted Alato Ishmael Kausakau's nine-month reign as the leader of the government on Monday in Port Vila. Associate Professor Tess Newton Kane, project lead for Pacific Hub at Griffith Asia Institute, has the latest.
1: We've had quite a lot happen, even just in the last 24 hours. So, first of all, yesterday morning or middle day. We had the Court of Appeals judgment handed down, which basically upheld the previous decision of the Supreme Court, which said that when the motion of no confidence had been debated, that the then opposition did have sufficient numbers and that that motion should have succeeded. Um, We expected Parliament to meet fairly promptly. Um, I think we were all a bit taken surprise when Parliament met yesterday, very late in the day, five o'clock, carved time, not a normal time for Parliament to meet, but Parliament did meet and there was a vote and a new Prime Minister was elected and the Daily Post front page of the paper has the names and pictures of the new government and the new ministry of Vanuatu. So that's all happened, like I say, just in the last 24 hours.
0: What's the track record of the MPs in this new government?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question and it's a really important question. So the new Prime Minister is Sato Kilman. This is his fifth term as prime minister. Um, It was interesting that Bob Lofman, who was the previous leader of the opposition, had in, uh, I think in the Daily Post, he's quoted as commenting, possibly with a certain amount of irony, on Mr Kilman's experience as a prime minister. So Mr Kilman is a a very experienced um, politician and has has had a number of stints as prime minister. Perhaps most notoriously, um, the last time he was Prime Minister, which was in two thousand and fifteen, half of his then cabinet was actually convicted of bribery and corruption charges by the Supreme Court, and a number of them served prison terms as a result of that. He was not involved in those legal proceedings, but a number of his then cabinet were. In terms of this current government, um, the I think generally there are some people that have some really good experience and are considered to be very competent leaders, uh, in particular Bob Loffman himself, uh, Johnny Koanapa, who's going back to finance where he's been a minister before. Um, there are also some people in this current government who whose names have been mentioned at a commission of inquiry in relation to misappropriation of development funding Um, That Commission of Inquiry report has since been referred to the public prosecutor. We are yet to hear whether any charges uh, or legal proceedings will result from that. But if they do, it may be that some of the current government may be caught up in that.
0: And I see no women uh, in this new government.
1: That's right. Well, we only have one woman parliamentarian, Julia King. She was in what is now the opposition. She was a, a deputy speaker and was you know, was a very active member of the previous government but will now be sitting on the opposition benches.
0: You're well aware and very familiar with politics in Vanuatu, but how long do you think this new government will last?
1: Well, as I have said before, no one makes money by placing debts on Vanuatu politics. So it's hard to predict and um, certainly if you you know, if you talk to people on the street and in the coffee shops and particularly in the private sector they are they are completely over this politic game playing they they really want a, a degree of stability and people to just kind of get on with doing their jobs. the current government has twenty seven seats which is what you need in order to establish a, a majority in a fifty two seat parliament but it's you know it's not a big number in that context usually they you know you would expect people to need thirty or thirty one. To be able to be confident of some kind of stability, so I, I don't know that I don't know that there's much energy or will at the moment to support another change. But at the same time, I'm not confident to predict how long this government will last. We could see another motion of no confidence before the end of the year. Unfortunately, the level of politics and politicking in Vanuatu now seems to have got to the point where. Getting into government is is everybody's main game rather than being parliamentarians, being legislators and being focused on taking the country forward. So certainly in amongst themselves, I'm sure they see that as, you know, there'll be people that will see that as the next step. But the wider community, I think, is losing patience with this kind of backwards-forward stuff that we've seen over the last little while.
0: And that was Associate Professor Tess newton kane speaking there to Moira Tuleipatella. An Australian academic says Canberra has missed an opportunity to address its flatline aid budget in launching its new international development policy. The document released last month is the country's first long-term development policy in almost 10 years, according to Foreign Minister Penny Wong. The government describes the policy as centred on listening, respect and genuine partnership. But Cameron Hill, a senior research officer at the Australian National University's Development Policy Centre, says it's promises a lot with no real increase in aid spending. Koroi Hawkins spoke with Dr Hill about the direction Canberra is taking with the policy and what it means for the Pacific.
2: Thanks Koroi, and nice to join you. Look, I think on the positive front, this is, you know, the first long-term aid uh, and development policy that an Australian government has produced since 2014. So I think, you know, it's good um, to have, you know, a government that's um, interested in talking about aid and development. Again, we had, um, you know, big aid cuts from 2013 onwards and, you know, I guess a temporary aid strategy during COVID. So I guess it's good to see an Australian government now that is interested in talking about aid and development as part of its broader statecraft focused on the Indo-Pacific. So I think, you know, I think that it's a good thing uh, in that sense. I guess the big challenges are uh, you know it's trying to do a lot, this aid policy <laughs> you know it's trying to um show the region that we are a partner of choice, but it's also I think there's obviously a clear undercurrent about competition with China in the region. It says uh, the aid policy wants to do more on climate change and it wants to have stronger partnerships with local actors um, wants to do more on gender and gender equality as well as on uh, disability and First Nations approaches to development. So it's trying to do a lot of things, this aid policy, um, and, and, and it packs a lot in, um, and I guess it's doing so in the context of a flat aid budget. Uh, and I think that's a really big challenge. The government has said it will keep the aid budget flat in real terms until 2036-37. So you know, when you're saying you're trying to do more, but you're keeping the aid budget flat, I think that is a real challenge. How have we seen things change as a result of the geopolitics in terms of the focus of aid, in terms of the messaging, some of the terminology that's being used? I think, um, again, on the positive side, I think Australia has realised in the face of this competition that it can't take its region for granted. So obviously that has meant Australia has said it wants to do more on things like climate. Change, which is, a, a you know, the biggest priority for the Pacific. So I think, you know, geopolitical competition has spurred Australia to realise that it needs to do more and, um, you know, it, it does need to try and be a partner of choice. Um, you've also seen Australia, I guess, move into other areas like infrastructure um, and the establishment of the Australian Infrastructure Financing Facility for the Pacific, I guess... Um, you know, that has been very slow to start, and I guess, you know, it has been focused on very big-ticket infrastructure projects, uh, and it's not clear to me that we have a comparative advantage. So I, I'd see that probably as, I guess, not as much of a positive development as the focus on things like climate change. So, yeah, I think, I think the geopolitics has also meant um, that we are probably downplaying aid effectiveness and development effectiveness, and I think this government is trying to um, rebuild some of that capability on development effectiveness and aid effectiveness, but I think that's yet to be seen because I think the geopolitical imperatives do do work against that. Taking into consideration all of the the uh, the things that we've just talked about, are there any missed opportunities here in in this international aid policy, whether in terms of where the money's going or in terms of mm. the framing? Well, look, I think, you know, I think it was a missed opportunity to acknowledge that we can't do more if the aid budget stays flat in real terms for the next 14 years. And I think, you know, there is a real mismatch, I think, between some of what the, pol- the policy says it wants to do and the trajectory of the aid budget. You know, so I think that kind of conversation about the aid budget and um, is, is still to happen. And will have to happen in the next few years um there was a discussion in um the aid policy about pacific debt and i think uh you know i think the kind of competitiveness and the affordability of australia's infrastructure loans is something that wasn't really addressed um but i think they will come under scrutiny because you know, as as the policy and some of the work around the policy says, you know, Pacific debt, uh, you know, is a is a real issue, and I think Australia will need to, um, you know, to to look at uh, its its loan programs into the Pacific in line of that. Yeah, and just finally, I guess, you know, I think one of the issues that you know Australia will will need to, I guess, address is, you know, what does being a partner of choice really mean in the Pacific? Um, you know, I, I think this government has rightly emphasised listening to the Pacific, but you know, I think we're yet to see that really reflected in our development programs. Um, and I guess the question is, who are we listening to, <laughs> and uh, are we really hearing them? So I think you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of questions which remain unaddressed, which I think will have to be reckoned with in the coming few years.
0: That's Pacific Waves for today. Don't forget you can listen back on rndeadeye.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeart Radio Podcasts. From myself and the team here at r Pacific, till fast three,